Hello, welcome to the Proskauer Benefits Brief, Nuts and Bolts of a Management Buyout, What Management Needs to Know. I'm Mike Album, and on today's episode, I'm joined by my partner, Josh Miller, and we are going to discuss management's incentive equity packages and pools in the context of a management buyout. So in our prior podcast, we spoke a little bit about rollover equity, so-called direct equity that the management team is putting into the new company going forward. The management incentive equity is a little different, Josh. It's sometimes referenced as options or profits interest. Can you explain a little bit why it's different from the actual investment that's being made in connection with rollover equity? The management incentive equity, the sweat equity, whether in profits interest or another form, is really incentive equity. It's granted, not sold. It's not something that was pre-existing. This is your new incentive award that's subject to vesting based on continued service, performance, other criteria, and generally provides upside as opposed to immediate value. So for example, a capital interest in a partnership has an immediate right to participation typically in distributions from the partnership, whereas a profits interest only has value to the extent that the company appreciates in value to participate in distributions above the liquidation value of the company on the data grant. So they're almost a partnership analog of options in that an option in a corporation only has real intrinsic value to the extent that the trading price exceeds the exercise price per share subject to the option. The form of interest is very important, Mike, as you know, because of income tax recognition. Profits interest, if properly structured, will have a value for tax purposes of zero on the data grant and will constitute property subject to Code Section 83, and as a result, enable a Section 83B election. The effect of which is that a profits interest can be granted even if subject to risk of forfeiture, vesting conditions, forfeiture conditions. It can be granted the participant can make an 83B election on the data grant to take into his or her income the value of those interests on the data grant. That value, if structured properly, is zero. So you're left with a equity incentive form that results in no taxable income to the holder and a potential for capital gains on distributions and subsequent transfers. Right. So if I'm a senior management executive at this point, there are two aspects to the incentive equity that I really care about. One is I'm not paying anything for it. Unlike my rollover equity, this is an award that I don't pay for. The second is if it's in the form of a profits interest, it can be structured properly so I can make it technical tax election called an 83B election that has no immediate tax impact to me, no cash tax impact to me because I'm not getting any baked in value with this award. But it allows me, if I hold the profits interest long enough, to have capital gains associated with any payments I receive with respect to that interest. So it's a two-part play, if you will. It's a grant that I receive that gives me upside in the company at no cost and it may well give me preferred tax treatment on the uh, appreciation. So it's a very, very good arrangement. The only wrinkle, of course, is there's got to be appreciation in the company going forward. But, of course, I'm part of senior management, and I'm being paid to do that post-closing. So I'm fully confident that it's going to have that value. Josh, talk a little bit about the size of the equity pool, because we know that there are a lot of market aspects to what's the right size of the pool. The size of the pool varies. You typically will look at the total fully diluted common interest and come up with a percentage. The percentage does vary quite a bit depending on the 
business. For example, a healthcare managerial services organization might have a larger pool because they're compensating not only the management team and the directors, but also individual physicians, whether it's physician owners or associate physicians. Whereas a purely operational company might have a slightly smaller pool, but still something substantial, something that gives management real upside and alignment to share in the appreciation of the company. Right, also the size of the deal will have a direct impact on the size of the incentive equity pool. A huge multi-billion dollar deals you know, will have a smaller equity pool than a smaller deal because the value of the pool is worth a lot more because of the size of the deal. Josh, can you talk a little bit about vesting and acceleration events associated with these awards? Sure. The awards is incentive compensation or generally subject to vesting. Those vesting terms can be a combination of time and performance conditions. The time typically will be anywhere from 40 to 60 percent of the pool, although it varies. Vesting over time based on continued service. So this could be over a period of three, four, five years. It could be a ratable vesting where vesting occurs every year, every quarter, even every month. Or it could be a cliff vesting where at the end of a specified period, the 100% of the time vesting units become vested. On the other hand, you have performance vesting. The performance vesting units can be based on financial performance on a year-to-year -year basis, things like revenues or EBITDAs, sales, or they can be tied to an exit. The IRR, or the money on money at the time of an exit, measured based on the sponsor's capital investment in the business, or a combination. For example, you could have a portion subject to only service over time, a portion that vests based on EBITDA on a year-to-year -year basis, but with full acceleration of the entire award, both time and performance, to the extent that certain returns are met in a liquidity event, such as a sale or a change of control event. Right. I think, look, we can't cover all the aspects of the incentive pool arrangement, but a couple of take-home points that you should be at least be thinking about. One is, whatever the size of the equity pool, some of it's not going to be allocated at the time of closing. There'll be a holdback reserve. Senior management should try to have as much control over that reserve allocation as possible, and they should also try to have as much control over any forfeited units that come back into the pool, because those can have real value if there were to be a deal done and they haven't been previously allocated. The second thing to think about is to make sure you get Whatever distributions might take place on unvested units are somehow put aside and held so that when the units do vest, they can receive the distributions that were made when they were previously unvested. And the last thing to be thinking about is, you know, Josh mentioned various acceleration events, change of control, multiple on, on invested capital, IRR returns that would somehow trigger uh, full vesting of any unvested units at the time of the transaction. Also make sure you try to get yourself a tail. Management should be thinking about a tail so that if they're terminated but one of these trigger events were to happen within six months, nine months of their termination, they would get the same economics had they been there. Now that won't apply to a pure resignation, but that type of tail protection could apply in a good lever situation where they've been forced out without cause or perhaps had good reason to leave. So we're going to save the next podcast to deal with employment agreement issues. Thank you for joining us on the Proskauer Benefits Brief. Stay tuned for more insights in our next podcast on iTunes dealing with employment agreements. And be sure to follow us on iTunes. Thank you.